we're swimming in a diet culture, beauty obsessed sea. My entire focus in life became around losing weight and not even just losing weight, perfecting every inch of my body. I lost hair, I lost my period, I was told I would never be able to have kids, and I ended up hospitalized for three months. It was one of the scariest experiences of my life. So embedded in our culture to believe that we are our bodies. I can't believe I'm like getting emotional on this, and I had a feeling I'm like, keep it together. And that our value lies in the way that our bodies look. If you go from like their hairline all the way down to their toes. There is somebody making money off of that body part of ours. An important piece of the law of attraction is detachment. So if you're constantly seeing these images all the time of what you want and that's not who you are, then it's not moving us into the right vibration. It's just bringing up feelings of comparison and not enough. And we cannot learn to love ourselves from a place of not loving ourselves. Welcome back everyone to Diary of an Empath. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Erin Trelor, the founder of Raw Beauty Talks, a platform that empowers women to embrace their natural beauty and practice self-love. Erin is a leading voice in the movement towards body positivity and has been featured in numerous media outlets, including Forbes, the Huffington Post, and Shape Magazine. Her work has helped countless women around the world redefine beauty on their own terms and embrace their unique qualities. With a background in marketing and a passion for empowering women, Erin has created a space that encourages individuals to love themselves just as they are. And she is also the host of an amazing podcast, Raw Beauty Talks. I'm so excited to have her here today to share her insights and experiences with us. Welcome to the show, Erin. Thank you so much for having me and for that beautiful introduction. And I just want to say hi to everyone who's tuning in right now. And just to clarify, because this is like an age old debate over at Raw Beauty Talks on my Instagram page. I am not a I'm not all about promoting one type of beauty. And what I mean by that is like I want our community and our space to be a place where anybody feels welcome. You know, whether you're choosing to dye your hair or get some lip injections or do a little Botox or age naturally and gracefully, like whatever whatever place you're at in your journey around self-acceptance and self-love, um, that's the platform is just about talking about these really difficult things that we are faced with as women and the, the insane amount of pressure that is placed upon us to fit within this really narrow beauty ideal, to never age, to always be quote unquote perfect. So we're having a discussion about that. And I have to do like a full disclosure because I went and had a little bit of Botox for my 11 between my eyes this morning. So it would be a huge (laughs) travesty to say that I'm all about only naturally aging. And I, I would love to be that person. I would love to be that person. But yet also we're swimming in a diet culture, beauty obsessed sea. And so we're all, you know, we're all dealing with these, these messages, this, um, these pressures in our own way. I decided to come on the show today with my bare face. I'm like, you know what? This is a perfect show and episode for me to just come as I am. And I get Botox. 
I've gotten fillers in the past. I'm all for it. I am all for a facelift when I'm 55 or 60, you know, and I'm okay with that. I'm also somebody who's holistic as well. So I love whatever works for you. And I love that your platform promotes that. So just for those that are listening, the way me and Aaron got hooked up was very, uh, I think, connect. I think the universe has kind of connected us. And you had a post on your page and I made a comment on it. And then I went on Aaron's podcast and now she's coming on mine. Um, I would love for people who don't know who you are to know a little bit more about you. What piece of context do I need to know about your history or your childhood to understand who I'm looking at today? Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, there are many different pieces of my story that have led to me being in the position that I am right now and, and doing the work that I do now. But I would say that the first stop in that journey was um, when I was around the age of 15, 16 years old. Uh, at the time, I was growing up in a great, with a great family unit. You know, I, I didn't want for much in life. Like there was no major big trauma that I had experienced. And at the same time, I was a bit of a perfectionist, wanting to be this good, perfect, quote unquote, perfect girl. And I remember being so fascinated by celebrity culture and models and this idea that these beautiful women seem to have it all. They seem to have financial security. They were popular and loved. They had the most amazing clothes. And I was like, I want that. I want all of that. And so my little 15-year-old brain went, okay, what do I need to do in order to get there? And it was really obvious at the time. I have to be skinny. I have to have these perfect legs and this flat washboard stomach. And so what began as a very innocent desire to just mold my body a little bit closer to that beauty ideal that we all know through healthier eating very quickly spiraled into an eating disorder. And I became severely anorexic. I was counting calories 24-7, jotting them down in my agenda at school. My entire focus in life became around losing weight and not even just losing weight, perfecting every inch of my body, obsessing over every inch of my body. And... Um, what started out as really just healthy, healthier eating or what the magazine said was healthier eating took over my entire life. I had to drop out of classes. So I went from straight A's to dropping out of classes, having to stop my dance classes because I just didn't have the energy to be able to do it anymore. I lost hair. I lost my period. I was told I would never be able to have kids. Um, and I ended up hospitalized for three months in an inpatient program at BC Women and Children's Hospital. It was one of the scariest experiences of my life, like leaving my sheltered home to go into a hospital program felt like I was entering another universe. And I, I wondered if I was crazy. I wondered, you know, what was wrong with me? I felt so embarrassed. I felt so incapable of stopping the thoughts in my mind. I didn't want to stop the thoughts either because when you have an eating disorder, you're terrified of food or gaining weight or any of those things. So it was a really, really dark, scary chapter in my life. But thank God for that 
program, I came out the other side and I was at a healthier weight. Uh, physiologically, I was in a better space. And as we know, when we support the physical body, uh, our thoughts, the thinking mind and our mental capacity starts to stabilize as well. So I was no longer plagued by these obsessive thoughts anymore about food and my body and counting. But I still had a, a rocky relationship with food. I still didn't really understand how to fuel my body in a balanced way. And what we understand now is just the amount of dialogue and conversation that are fueled by diet culture, this culture that praises smaller bodies, that rewards smaller bodies, um, that values a specific beauty ideal over actual true health and wellness, that we're so submerged in this language and this culture that even doctors, even nurses, even healthcare professionals are sometimes giving misguided advice that can lead us down paths or roads that end up in disordered eating patterns. So I found myself at that time in my early 20s, which the 20s are just this roller coaster of trying to figure out who you are. Most of us have left home at that point. We're trying to figure out what career we want to do, who we want to date, who we're interested in, how to save money, how to feed ourselves, who are our mm -hmm. friends. Like it's just this <laughs> decade of self-exploration. And so in that stage, I found myself being really mindful of what I was eating during the day, borderline restricting what I was eating, like still eating only very healthy, healthier foods and then binging at night. So I couldn't sustain the restriction anymore. And in the evenings and on weekends or in moments alone, I would basically feel like I had blacked out and that this force had taken over me and I would eat and eat and eat until the point of wanting to make myself throw up, wanting to um, just, just feeling like inordinate amounts of shame. Mm-hmm. Why am I like this? I'm so disgusting. I am so fat. I can't believe this. Like, when you're in that pattern, it really distorts the way that you're, you see yourself as well. So when I was looking in the mirror, the version of myself that I was seeing wasn't an actual true reflection. It was so painful. It was so painful. And yet it's all so normalized. These behaviors of not eating enough during the day and then finding oneself like scooping peanut butter out of the jar, feeling like, mm -hmm. you know, you can't stop yourself or control yourself around food, not trusting your ability to be alone with food. These things are normalized and also being done in secret. And then women feel so ashamed and like they're the problem. If anyone's listening to any of this right now, like, oh my God, she's speaking to me or I do that. I want you to understand you are not the problem. I'm like you almost crying. <laughs> I can see I'm like you literally getting emotional. getting emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And what like, I don't even, you? like for me, I don't even have, I wouldn't even consider it like binging or anything like that, but it's so relatable mm. because like for me, I can't believe I'm like getting emotional on this. And I had a it's feeling okay. I'm like, it's keep it together. Topic. It's a hard topic. So I was in the bodybuilding industry for so long and it was, I never had a problem with my body. You know, even in the Marine Corps, after having my daughter, I was small, but it was never an issue for me. And going through um, competing, 
I really enjoyed it, but I got so fixated on it. And I actually thought like, I'm good at this. This is what I want to do. And then after going through all of the competitions and just fixating on my body for three years and my daughter saying like, when are we going to just be able to go out and have fun, mommy? Like, when are you not going to, I would not be able to do things because I have to eat every three hours. I have to weigh my food. I can't do this. But what's interesting is like, as a 37-year-old woman now, I haven't done that since 2016, I find myself picking apart my body in like the most random ways. Mm-hmm. And um, I never really like – it's not until lately that I'm like, this is a problem. Like why am I so – my whole identity is like based around how I look. Mm-hmm. And even though I know I bring so much to the table – And I'm a very confident person. It's the first time in my life because I'm 37. I had surgery. I'm going through a little bit of like I gained 10 pounds, but I am like picking apart my body and I recognize it. And my daughter is like, I I hear you at your body shaming yourself. And we had a conversation and I I really am so grateful that you said like, why don't you have a conversation with her? And I did. And my daughter started clapping. She's like, well, I'm glad that you're recognizing that. So as I'm hearing you, I just empathize so much, although it's not exactly, you know, the same things. It's still disordered eating that other people normalize it. But that's not normal to have to fixate on your body. That's not normal when I can't go to New York and have a trip and actually enjoy myself. For, so for those that are listening and are like resonating with everything that we're saying, where does somebody start if they're, they find themselves having these patterns of disordered eating or maybe they're you know going on social media comparing themselves? Where does somebody even start to break these patterns? Mm. The first thing I want to say is thank you for sharing that and being so vulnerable. And it's even more challenging to share these things when we're still in the messy middle, when we're still like having those body image thoughts and still picking ourselves apart. It's that much more vulnerable to share from that space. It's a lot easier to talk about it when you're through it. So I commend you for that. And I see you and see all the things that you're navigating as a mom and an entrepreneur and a healer and all of these things that you're carrying. So um, when I have this conversation with women as a coach, I always start off by just saying, it's so important to understand it's not our fault that we feel this way about our bodies. And what I mean by that is that from the time we were very little, we have received messages from perhaps our mother's definitely society, absolutely the community around us in conversation with friends who unknowingly praise somebody who's lost weight or talk about how good they were this week with their food or whatnot. So embedded in our culture to believe that we are our bodies and that our value lies in the way that our bodies look. You've received probably a ton of praise in that bodybuilding stage where you felt very in control You know, you're controlling your food intake, you're controlling your workouts, people are noticing, you're entering these competitions. And so there's a lot of dopamine that's coming in that stage and in that phase. And so this, 
this bodybuilding thing is is really difficult because when the body changes, which inevitably it does for 99% of women who lose weight or go into these uh, activities or whatever bodybuilding things, um, when the weight comes back on or the body shifts again, it can feel like you've lost a piece of yourself. Mm-hmm. Question, we question our worth. Um, and so going back to that first date of it's not your fault, our bodies as women have been so commoditized. I don't even know if that's a word. What is the <laughs> word I'm looking for? <laughs> commoditized? Commodit- our bodies? I think I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I can't even think right now. (laughs) (laughs) Our bodies have become commodities. Like if you look at a woman's body, if you go from like their hairline all the way down to their toes, there is somebody making money off of that body part of ours, our hairline. There is like hair growth serums. There's plugs. You can have your blood shaken around and then poked back into your skin at this point. Our foreheads, Botoxed and filled. Our eyebrows, you know the drill. Our eyelashes, like lengthen them, glue fake hair onto them. Our noses, you should probably fix that. Our skin, microneedle that, burn it off. Lips, fill them up. Chin, make sure that stays tucked in. Literally every single inch of a woman's body, the hair under our armpits, our boobs, the belly button, our butt, the upper thighs, cellulite. I mean, our knees haven't been yet. Can't wait to see what they find there. Our toenails, painting them, having manicures. And it's not to say that all of this is bad. Like, it's so nice going to get a pedicure with your friends. But when we start to feel like we need that in order to be enough, in order to be loved, well, then we end up in this cycle where we're spending energy, brain power, money, time, resources on all of these things. And it keeps us trapped. It keeps us small. It keeps us distracted from the things that we know bring true happiness, true joy. Things like staying connected to our purpose and our gifts, investing in those things. Like imagine if we took all the money that we put into the way that we look and we invested it on building and growing those intrinsic strengths that we have. Imagine Mm -hmm. if we spent that time that we obsess about our bodies instead phoning a friend and having deep connection or like getting together with our, our girlfriends or our parents or whoever it is like real human connection. Imagine if instead of spending so much time in front of the mirror, we were out in nature, walking, moving our body, getting all of these like beautiful hormones and chemicals going. So again, we started off this episode with me saying that I got Botox. So it's not about not doing it at all. And listen, when I'm saying all of this stuff, this is from my perspective. This is my learnings and where I've gotten to. It's also not, there's no right or wrong here, right? Like I'm sharing my perspective. It is not, everyone's going to have to find their own thing, but we can't be disillusioned into believing that this is an us problem, that this is a, a you problem. You know, you're not tough enough or you're not thinking positively enough. You should just be grateful for your body because it's confusing time as well right now because we are receiving constant messages about how we can improve ourselves and and look better. And now we've got filters on social media, which are creating even more of an ideal that that is impossible to live up to. And on the other side, we've got all these messages of like, love yourself. And you should think that you are the bomb.com and you should be saying kind things to yourself when you look into the mirror. 
it's confusing. It's hard. We fail on both sides over and over again. So the very first thing is really letting go of the idea that this is, this is your fault. This is because of the water that we swim in and the culture that is all around us, the marketing messages, the media messages, and all of this. The next thing that we have to do is we have to go into the body to support the body and the nervous system. This isn't something that I have learned until more recently in the last five years, working with a doctor of mind-body medicine, working with a therapist, working with an intuitive eating dietitian. When you're, when you're healing your relationship with food or with an anxious mind-body system or with body image thoughts, we always have to start by supporting the nervous system. The reality is that a lot of us, especially as women, are struggling with a dysregulated nervous system. Our nervous system is in fight-flight a lot because of a number of different reasons, because of the stressors that are placed on us right now. We're doing a lot of things. We're more connected to our phones than ever. Politics, global warming, the list goes on and on. I don't need to tell you why you're stressed. <laughs> you know why your <laughs> system is stressed. What's interesting is that when we have a stressed nervous system and we start to become anxious, we tend to catch onto or loop onto specific thoughts. Now, for some people, that's, oh, they get really, you know, focused on finances and they're always worrying about finances or they're always worrying about health and safety or they're always planning, constantly planning what's coming next, next not in the present moment. But for a lot of women, that spirally thinking gets focused in on our body. If I could just control this, if I could just fix this, then it would take away this underlying current of anxiety, of stress. I would feel more calm. I would feel more confident. And the brain mm -hmm. attaches to this idea of fixing ourselves in order to solve the feelings that we're having underneath the surface. So we have to come back to the body to support the nervous system which in and of itself is going to help to reduce some of those thoughts to quell some of those fears. So that looks like our breath work, time in nature, meditating and mindfulness, spending more time in the present moment, fueling our bodies consistently with food. This is, this is a big one. You know, when we get into our head about how our body looks, the tendency is I'm going to eat less or I'm going to intermittent fast, or, you know, I'm not that hungry in the morning. I can make it until two o'clock without eating the worst thing you can do for your mind body mm -hmm. system. So we have to go back to the basics of wellness. And I think for most people, you know, we've had that experience where you had a great day and you worked out and something great happened at work and maybe you connected with your daughter and you look in the mirror and you're like, yeah, like I kind of got this. I feel like I've got a mm -hmm. glow. And then maybe that night you go out for some drinks with friends. You don't sleep as well. You get up the next day a little bit later. You miss the workout and all of a sudden you feel like a bag of shit and you're like, that's my oh. life. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's my life. <laughs> right. But it's not, it has nothing to do with your body. It is how it is where your chemicals in your body are at are shifting the way that you see yourself in the mirror. And when we root into these wellness practices, not for the sake of losing weight, we leave that's you know secondary, but our primary focus is I need to stabilize my nervous system. I need to stabilize my chemicals in my body. I need to find and tend to that inner peace 
then it shifts the way we see ourselves when we look in the mirror. It's not about shifting the body. True wellness, like the wellness coaching that I do, it's not focusing on the external body. It's focusing on what we need to do on the inside in order to get into alignment. And then everything starts to shift on the outside as well. Side note, did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a professional tarot reader? It's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life. Tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too. Click on the link in this podcast for more info. Okay, back to the podcast. What are your thoughts on social media? Because we mentioned social media a little bit earlier and I feel like, I don't know, I don't remember how old you are, but I'm 37 and I, back when I was growing up, we didn't have social media. We just didn't. We had like, I think when I was 17, we had MySpace and MeHente and I'm aging myself a little bit. We had <laughs> dial-up modems when I was Yeah, a kid. me too. Social media, I feel like has introduced us into a whole nother aspect of comparison and by human nature, we tend to compare ourselves. It's in our DNA. It's how we've survived and have evolved. What are your thoughts on social media and how do you think this has impacted both diet culture and body image? It has a huge impact on body image, the way that we see ourselves, comparison, all of these things. And it's not going anywhere. So we have to learn how to use it to our benefit. I think of social media now as the magazines that I used to get when I was 15, 16. So these magazines would arrive at the door once a month. It was like the best day of the month. I could look at all the clothes and the glossy images. It was curated for me by an editor in LA or New York who was like, here's what you're going to see and here's the information that you're going to get. There was no choice. Mm -hmm. People get so ticked off about social media, but they forget that they do have a choice and some control over what they see based on who you follow, based on who you like, based on the content that you click into. Social media is meant to be addictive. So it's meant to get us on there and to stay on as long as possible. So we also have to understand we are working with a device that is designed to hook us into it. So we have got to be so mindful about what is showing up on the feed. So I can't emphasize enough. Everyone's heard it before. You've got to detox your, you've got to detox your follow who you're following. You've got to curate it. Like imagine you're the editor of this magazine that's arriving at your door, not once a month, multiple times a day. So and your feed will look way different than my feed because we click on different things and engage in different content. So I think, honestly, once a week, whenever, as, many, as many times as you can, think about every person that you're following, what it is that they're saying, what it is that they represent, and does it align? A lot of people will follow fitness influencers and you know, weight loss pages um, lifestyle bloggers, and they'll say it's inspiring. It's inspiring me. And I just want to, you know, put it out there that having inspiration is good. You know, these individuals who have maybe the body that you want or the home that you want or the family that you want, we can look at these individuals as, as vision holders for ourselves, 
right? It's like they're like mini vision boards over there. But anybody who's done some work around manifesting and attracting knows that an important piece of the law of attraction is detachment. So if you're constantly seeing these images all the time of what you want, and that's not who you are, then it's not moving us into the right vibration. It's just bringing up feelings of comparison and not enough. And we cannot learn to love ourselves from a place of not loving ourselves. So I would say, okay, listen, you know what your body looks like. You don't need somebody, Mm -hmm. you, you know what you want your body to look like, or you know what you you know, want your home to look like. You don't need someone reminding you multiple times a day that that's not where you're at right now. So unfollow, Mm -hmm. you can always, you'll be able to find them again. Unfollow for now and then turn inward and get back to yourself. The only thing that you control is, can control is you. So come back to yourself and what you can do to move yourself towards the things that you want in life. We also have to practice acceptance, self-compassion, finding that inner voice as if we're talking to a friend or somebody that we love. I had to unfollow a lot of different podcasters, and it's not because I don't support them. I found myself comparing myself to, I'm doing these things. Why isn't this happening for my show? Why am I not getting this level of engagement? And I had to take a step back and kind of disengage, and it's not that I don't support them. I just knew what feelings were coming up for me. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't good. It's not a feeling of envy or nothing like that. It's a feeling of comparison. And it's just something that I don't want in my library because social media is your library and you can fill it up with junk. You can fill it up with things that fill you up. You can fill it up with things that make you feel anxious. But if you feel yourself doing that, you have the choice to disengage. And another thing I want to point out is that you just don't know what's reality and what's not. And I say this from experience. There are women and there's nothing wrong with this. There's men that do this too. If this is your choice, that's your journey. But I say this because you just don't know what they're taking. If they're taking supplements, if they dieted down for two to three months for that photo shoot, if they are sucking it in, if they have photo editing or video editing apps, if they're using filters, you just don't know. So I had to stop comparing myself. And that's one thing that I made a a strict intention of not submitting myself to any images or videos or content that's going to make me feel bad because Mm -hmm. I'm already, you know, kind of dealing with my own journey. So that's what I would say to people as well. Now, for those that are listening that have kids, you know, I told you about my daughter and how she started letting me know like, hey, I'm noticing these things that are going on with you. I feel like young teens especially are very impressionable. You were when you were a teen. I was. So what are what are your thoughts or what advice do you have for parents, moms especially, who are struggling with body image issues, who are struggling with disordered eating, maybe have young teens at home or their own daughters, how can we be that role model for our own children if we're having our own struggles? Mm. I think the first thing is to always reach out for and ask for support yourself, to do the work yourself and to not be afraid of them seeing you doing that work. I think sometimes we can want to be these perfect parents who have it all figured out. And I was lucky enough to interview a woman named Dr. Aliza Pressman, 
who has a podcast herself, Raising Good Humans, and she's a doctor. She she gives parenting advice or, or basically shares tips about parenting from a science-based perspective. And she emphasized the importance of allowing ourselves to be imperfect parents. We don't have to be perfect. But here's the thing. In our imperfect moments, so you yell at your kids or you make a comment about your body that isn't kind, it's how we repair in those moments that really count. So full permission to make mistakes, permission to say things that later we reflect on and we're like, oh, you know, I probably shouldn't have talked about this being a good food or a bad food or said that thing about my body. It's how we then go about having the conversation with them where we say, listen, I made this comment and sometimes I actually have a hard time loving my body. I've received so many messages over the years, smaller is better. And I'm working on undoing those right now. And I'm so sorry I said that thing because it's not actually how I feel. And it's certainly not how I want you to feel. So Mm -hmm. moving forward, I'm going to make more of a conscious effort to X, Y, and Z. So first of all, just being real humans with our kids, depending on the age, that conversation is going to look different. Allowing ourselves to open up to them about these things and then having conversations with them as well around media literacy. So understanding the messages that they're receiving on social media, in advertisements and having them understand how those work. You know, when we feel not enough as a woman, when we feel like something a part of us is inadequate. What we do is we go to try to fix it. And when we go to try to fix it, there's usually somebody there who's making money from that. doesn't mean these people are all evil or anything like that. Like shout out to the, to the hairdressers, shout out to the people doing the pedicures and stuff like that. But if we follow the line, there's always money at the end of it. And just talking to them about these things, they're dealing with it too. They're going through it as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, kids can be really impressionable, but they also are very observant. And I think that young teens, especially even going into preteens, they view your, if they're, if you are a mother and you hate your body, I feel like as a girl, you're looking at your mom. Well, I look like mommy, mommy's from me, or I come from mommy. So is my body gross? Is my body ugly? And I started to realize that when I was speaking bad about myself, even though I didn't intentionally mean to, I'm kind of almost speaking badly about her body because now she's starting to question, oh, hey, you know, that that thing that you have for your chin, can I start to use it for mine? And I'm like, why do you need it? She's like, well, I, I notice I kind of have some chin stuff going on too. And I'm like, oh God, I really need to have a conversation with her. And I was so grateful when when we had that conversation because it opened up a dialogue with me and my daughter. And, you know, she's like, well, I'm glad that you're recognizing some of that. And we had to have a conversation of, hey, social media is something that tells us we need to look a certain way. There are people who say we have to meet these beauty standards and it's always going to be there, but it's up to us what we want to do with that. And it's okay to look pretty and it's okay to, you know, want to look a certain way or have nice clothes, but we also need to remember that 
there's never a set standard of what we need to do. And so I have to now try to reinforce that to myself because she is observing it and I don't want that to be her story. Mm. And so I just want to publicly thank you for that conversation. Even if, even though that conversation was so short and so small, it impacted me and then it impacted my daughter. Mm. And for those that are listening, just realize that kids are so impressionable. And I think it's also important for us to limit what we expose them to, especially on social media, but there comes to a point where we can only expose them so much. So for those that are listening and resonating, and maybe they're recognizing some of these characteristics in themselves, where can we start to have healthier habits? And where do we recognize where some of our eating habits or some of our characteristics or behaviors are not so healthy? Mm. Where do we draw that line? Well, it's hard to unweave this web because usually these stories that we have about how to eat and what is right for our body to look like have been, these beliefs have been implanted from the time we were first born, the way that we heard our mother talk about herself, the way that we ate in our homes, the way that our friends were eating, all of these things. So it's, it is very layered, but you could even begin by looking at pivotal times in your life where these beliefs were implanted. So when do you remember first noticing your body or your body becoming anything other than this tool to enjoy life and food tasting good? If you were to think back, what's that moment for you? Are you asking me? I'm actually asking you. We're going to do it. Oh, man. For you. My mom was always very beautiful look wise. Like she walks into a room. My mom's Brazilian and Palestinian. So I mean, exotic mix. Right. And so when she walked into a room, you noticed, and this is before fillers and Botox even existed. She just was naturally pretty. And I was always very aware of that because people around me, my friends, like that's your mom. That's your, I, I was used to it. It was annoying. But I think I started noticing it around that time. And, you know, she had plastic surgery a few times and she was very critical with me. Like, oh, you need to wax your mustache. You need to pluck your eyebrows. You need to comb your daughter's hair more. And it was these little areas of criticism that she always inflicted on me from the time that I was a child to the time that I was an adult. And it was always geared towards my looks or my daughter's looks. In fact, recently, um, I hadn't seen my mom in about two months and this was post-surgery. And the very first thing, the very first words that came out of her mouth was, you're looking a little chunky. And I just looked at her and I'm like, you know, that's not cool. Like that's, I I don't appreciate that. And she's like, but you carry it well. It looks good on you. And I'm like, you know, let me just, let me just walk away because that's, that really, and that's the day we had the conversation. That is when I started spiraling and it just hit me. And so, yeah, when I think back at it, those triggers are definitely with my mom. So from the time that you were a very little girl, in order to receive mom's love and respect and to be noticed by her, you were expected to be quote unquote, perfect, beautiful, Mm -hmm. pulled together. And what does every single child need in order to survive in those early days? 
They need at least one adult that they feel that they can go to, that they feel that they can connect with in order to survive. So you relied on figuring out how to build a connection with your mom from that very young age. You learned must be beautiful in order to connect with mom, in order to be safe. And so you've carried that belief over all the years through, you know, every adventure that you've been on, bodybuilding, um, having your child in relationships to this very moment. And even now, as a 37-year-old woman, you see your mom, she says something about you that is um, not, she says something too critical and that inner deep unconscious fear of disconnection is deeply triggered. So a lot of the time, the things that we are dealing with as adults are not even, it's not even about the present moment. It's stuff that we dealt with these big T and little T traumas that have impacted our nervous system and our way of being for as long as we can remember. So when you're having those days where you're not feeling great, the first thing is coming back to the body. Okay. My nervous system is, has gone into fight flight, right? I'm, I'm working lots. I'm balancing things with my daughter, finances, the body's not feeling great. All of these things It's causing a stress response in the body. So you need gentle movement, water, reducing caffeine, reducing alcohol, meditation, spiritual practice. And this doesn't have to be 17 hours. This is like, take a, take a two block walk around the block while you're drinking some water, come back and read a couple Buddhist quotes or quotes from the Bible, you know, whatever rings true for you, something to connect you within taking some deep breaths, get yourself to bed a little bit earlier. And then as well, we have to remember, okay, this inner child, this four or five-year-old has been triggered by mama not being impressed with the body. So what would you say to that little girl? What would you say to that little version of you? Her criticalness doesn't define who you are. How you look doesn't define who you are and you don't need that to gain approval from other people. Mm. Yeah. And then you can imagine yourself, you know, almost like you would with your daughter, pulling her in, giving her a hug, wrapping like a warm yellow light around her and just bringing some calm to that part of you that is so lit up in this moment. Like you were a Marine Corps, you have had a baby, you host this beautiful podcast, you connect with and help so many individuals. You are not your body. You are so much more than that. And we have to remind, this isn't just like a one and done kind of thing. FYI, we've got to remind ourselves this all the time as women, because as the messages just keep coming from all the different angles. But when we can really get to the core of things and really start to navigate, oh yeah, this is like an old imprint, an old belief. 
And I actually don't want to exist or operate from this place of fear anymore. Because you're fucking beautiful and you know it. You know it. Oh, thank you. You know you can step this was into like that power. The 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 definition of raw beauty talk. Like this is <laughs> this is what I feel like is like the pure definition of it to just be completely raw and vulnerable. And I think this this is probably, I will say, you take the cake for getting the most vulnerable side mm-hmm. of me on an episode so far. Um, but I think you just have this light about you that is very naturally empathetic and you are just a definition of a light worker. I would love for you to talk a little bit about what you're doing. Cause I know you have this beautiful retreat that you have, that you are about to do in an amazing location. I would love for you to talk about any projects that you're working on, where people can find you and what you're doing. Well, thank you. I would love it for anybody to come say hi over on Instagram at raw beauty talks. Um, wait, hold on. I just want to go back there to address what you said, because I feel like I'm just <laughs> operating now in a completely different space. Thank you for being so vulnerable about this stuff and for going there and having the capacity to go there. Because as I said earlier, it's freaking hard. These aren't easy conversations mm-hmm. and, um, and it's not easy work, but I also really truly believe that you are the one in your family who will break the patterning. Because your mom, all of the things that you're feeling right now has lived with that for a lifetime as well. And she's pushed it onto you. And now you have this beautiful opportunity with a daughter of your own to together with her rewrite the narrative. And you'll do just that. I have no doubt about it. Okay. Please come say hi on Instagram at Raw Beauty Talks. Uh, Let me know what it stood out for you in this conversation. Did anything resonate? Have you had any of these feelings yourself? I would say that's the main place that I hang out. And from there, people can find anything that they want to. I am really excited about the retreat that we're doing. We're going to Crete, Greece. We are staying in this beautiful five-star hotel, farm-to-table foods, ocean, sun, incredible connection with like-minded women who are really wanting to heal their relationship with food and their body. It's a self-care retreat. So as well, I work with a lot of people who have anxiety or an anxious mind-body system. Um, It's just a chance for people to press pause on life, to unwind, to root into all these practices that we talked about today, and um, to have a second to tune inward, tune out the noise and tune inward. So it's going to be beautiful. You can find that again on Instagram. And uh, thank you for having me. I love that. And we're going to link everything for everyone to find you if they want to sign up for your retreat. And Greece sounds amazing. Um, I just once again want to thank you for your time, your energy, your vulnerability. I'm so happy that we connected. I, I love connecting with light like-minded people, you just are so humble. And what that's one thing that really stuck out about you when I went on your podcast is just how down to earth, humble, and easy it is to connect and talk with you. And there's not that many people like that in the world. So um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Right back at you.